0: Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Don Cherie Wilkerson continues our collection of talks, Seven Revelations of Jesus for His Church. In this message, The Root of the Problem, we study the church in Sardis and explore the importance of remaining rooted in Jesus. Although externally they were prosperous, internally, the community in Sardis was disconnected from Jesus and could not bear lasting fruit. In the same way, we're called to abide in Jesus, producing fruit through connection with Him. To continue learning, check out voochurch.com seven. Now let's lean into the message together.
1: We've been in this collection called Seven. Now we've been seven years on this journey as a church and we're taking seven weeks to really look at the book of Revelation at the letters to the early church uh, written by John, John the Revelator. And today we're gonna study the fifth letter and it is the letter to Sardis. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Revelation chapter three. Revelation chapter three, we're gonna start the beginning of the chapter, and this is what it reads. We're gonna read the entirety of the letter up front so you really get a grasp of everything that Jesus is saying to this church. This is a real church he's writing to. He says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I wanna take the next few minutes as we continue this journey together, really just studying Jesus's words to the church to talk to you on this thought, the root of the problem the root of the problem. Together, God is gonna transform us by the power of his spirit. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for City. I thank you for Somi. Thank you for Everglades. God, thank you for all of our friends and family watching online who are such an important part of this community. I pray, Lord, as we look to your word that you'd open up our hearts. God, that uh, we would see you today, that we would see clearly the path of purpose that you have um, created in front of us that we would trust and obey. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. All of you, church, said? Come on, let me hear you. All of you, church, said? Come on, let's put our hands together one more time. God's good. We're reading the words of Jesus through a vision that John has while he's in exile on the Isle of Patmos. And as he's on Patmos, he's writing down this vision. He's having this revelatory experience all by himself. And Jesus gives him specific letters to seven churches um, that are part of the early church. And each message has very specific details. God speaking to the individual circumstances and state of the heart of every single one of those churches. Today, we're looking at Sardis. I'm gonna have a map on the screen so that you can see Sardis. Sardis is kind of in the middle and it actually is a very large city, very wealthy, and it had five major roads, all leading in and out of it. It was a place hustling and bustling with culture and influence. And as you look to the history of Sardis, this church in Sardis, it was booming. It was extremely successful. It was bursting at the seams. People were attending. They were filling every single seat. It was fabulously wealthy, as some theologians would describe it. They had no want for finances in this church. There were no problems, there were no issues, and yet from the outside, while everything looked like it was firing on all cylinders, Jesus speaks something quite contrary. Jesus says to the church in Sardis, I know your works, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. This is the perfect message for Halloween weekend. You look alive, but you are dead. Jesus is really direct and confrontational, but he's not without help. He doesn't mince words, but he also is giving them a path to healing and recovery. And when you look at the church of Sardis in this day, many theologians would say, well, when we look at the lifestyle and the culture of this church, maybe they were immature in their worship. You know, maybe they were half-hearted. Maybe they were superficial. Maybe they were just so focused on the people in the church that they didn't have a heart any longer for evangelism. They weren't thinking about the loss. They weren't thinking about the broken. They didn't have a heart for people that hadn't gathered the message of Jesus yet. Maybe they were like a church. People have, have uh, hypothesized that maybe they were a church that all they cared about was just starting new things and they weren't very good at following through. Like maybe they would just love the newest initiative, but once they started it, they were on to the next thing. You know, maybe the deeds that they were doing, they weren't really the heart of God. Maybe they were doing things, but the things they were doing weren't the things that God really cared about. The English theologian George Caird calls it inoffensive Christianity. Because when you study the history of this church and the moment in culture that they were in, they weren't under pressure. There was nothing divisive happening in their midst. There were no struggles. There was no persecution. This is what sets the church in Sardis apart from all the other churches that we've been talking about. They had no problems. They had a lot of money, but they didn't actually have problems. You may have heard it the other way. But here the church in Sardis has absolutely no problems, but God's got a problem with them. God says you're not under pressure There are no struggles or mountains or obstacles. Your church is full. You have no financial want. Everybody around you says that you have this reputation for being alive, but I know that you're actually dead. Why was there no struggle? Because Sardis had accommodated itself to the injustice and the immorality of its culture. Instead of being in but not of the world, they were in and of it. They had soaked it up. They had conformed, they had taken the easy road and no longer were they standing out like a lighthouse in the city but they were actually looking just like everybody else. Friends, can I tell you that your value system isn't one value system here on earth? And then when you walk into heaven, all of a sudden your value system transforms to the kingdom of heaven's value system. No, we are in but not of this world. We're pilgrims just passing through and we don't carry the same value system as the world around us. We're kingdom minded men and women, (laughs) devoting our lives, devoting our families, devoting our finances (laughs) devoting our time devoting our calendar to God and when we do that the world can't help but take notice because there's something radical in their midst there's a light in the darkness I think that in our walk with God the question is always what does God see because we can see alive and well but God's God can see dead and asleep We can see, oh, everything looks great on the exterior. Oh, but God can see. Oh no, but you're deteriorating from the inside out. Now all the time, like when I'm trying to get my kids attention, I'll be like, Wyatt, there's your cup of water. Mom, I want water. Wyatt, there it is. And I'll point, mom, I don't see it. I don't see it. Wyatt, (laughs) it's right there. Mom, I can't find it. Wyatt, will you look at me? And when he looks at me, it's very clear where it is. So often we can take pointers, we can take initiative from the culture around us from everywhere else and we get lost in the noise when God is saying, if you'll look at me, I'll give you the direction that you need. This thing is not complicated. Keep your eyes and your focus on me. We know that scripture says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Come on one more time, God looks at the heart. So God looks at the heart. God makes it very clear what the next step is now that they have awoken to the fact that they've been asleep, that they're dead. Verse two says this, wake up. Everybody say, wake up. wake up. And strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. So he says, wake up and strengthen what remains. Will you say that with me? Strengthen what remains. One more time, strengthen what remains. So what does that mean anyway? Strengthen what? Remains. When I hear that word remain, it takes me to John chapter 15, where Jesus is giving us a picture of remaining in the vine. I want to share with you the words of Jesus. We're going to read a long paragraph, and it's beautiful, the picture that Jesus paints of how our life is to abide in him while we walk through this life here on earth. Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Come on, can we thank God for that word, that promise? It's a beautiful picture. Of what it looks like to walk with Jesus and um, On Friday, I went to the grocery store with my boys and I I brought my own prop today. I went with my boys and we bought some grapes while I was grocery shopping. And I have plenty of grapes because when I take my boys grocery shopping, if one of them gets to put one thing in the cart, the other one has to put it in the cart also. And so I got some grapes and as I was putting it in my bag, I was thinking about this verse that as we abide in the vine that we bear much fruit. And I was looking at the bag in my grocery cart and I was thinking like, it's kind of interesting, right? There's a little bit of the vine in every bag. Like every time that I buy grapes, I never realized that there's actually vine that is included in my grapes. And here I am and I've got these grapes and uh, I was thinking like, Here's a little bit of the vine but you and I both know that I'm gonna take these grapes home because I will today and my boys are gonna eat them and the fruit is gonna be gone and then this little piece of the vine is not gonna have any worth any longer, why? Because it's been detached from the root. So even though I'm holding a little bit of the vine, there's no life in this vine. It's just sustaining the fruit that's already grown but how many of you know this is the end and the totality of this little branch's life because it's been detached from the root where it was de- where it was created by God to bear fruit for many seasons this is the end it won't bear any more fruit because it's not attached any longer and so often we can see fruit and we can say oh it's so healthy it's so beautiful look at their life look at what they're doing look at their accomplishments but it's just fruit from attached in the past and it's no longer attached so you can enjoy the fruit but once the fruit's gone what are you left with you're left with nothing because the season has been shortened and there is no longevity or life ahead because it's no longer attached to the root I guess the question is how do you have fruit when you're not connected to the root How? I mean, that doesn't seem to make sense, right? How do you actually have fruit if you're not connected to the root? Well, first of all, one of the ways I think that you have fruit when you're not connected to the root is that you're just coasting. I grew up water skiing and my dad taught me how to water ski. And the interesting thing about water skiing is that you hold onto the rope while you're being pulled behind a boat. And as long as you hold onto the rope, you're gliding across the water. You're, you're moving, there's momentum, and you're going forward. But how many of you know, as soon as you let go of the rope, you don't fall immediately always. Sometimes if you're still balancing, you can still glide forward as if you're gonna continue on the journey that you've been on and you're still moving forward and there's still momentum and it seems like you're floating and gliding above the water, but it's only a matter of time before the energy from what you were being pulled by, the actual engine that is not you, that will stop and you will start to sink. We're not called to coast. We are are not on cruise control as a church. We're not living off of the steam of yesterday. How many of you know, we're moving forward in God? How do you you have fruit? When you're not attached to the root, well, you can coast. The other thing that you can try to do is you can conserve. In my house, we love to freeze grapes. Does anybody like to freeze grapes? If you haven't done it, life-changing. Go home and do it today. You'll thank me later. Freezing grapes, it's the best. It's refreshing, it's amazing. And sometimes in our life, we're just living off of the things that we've saved up from the past. You may say, oh, Don Shuri, I know all about the word. I've been studying the word for 30 years. Friends, what you know will not keep you attached to the vine. It's who you know. It's having a life-giving daily relationship with God. This is not a microwave message. This is daily bread. This is manna from heaven. This is God, I need you today. The fruit of yesterday is not gonna sustain me for the battles of tomorrow. I cannot conserve what God has given me, but it's not just conserving it. Uh, Sometimes we have fruit without being rooted because we're consumers. Some of you, you've been going to church for a few years now, but you're not serving. You're not giving. I'm just gonna be honest. Friend, you're eating someone else's fruit when you come in here on Sunday. You're eating the seeds of sacrifice. You're eating the time that they've invested And it's one thing for us to walk through the doors, and we all have eaten the fruit of someone else's sacrifice. That's how we've all come to Jesus. But there comes a moment where you have to decide I'm not just going to come in on Sundays and eat somebody else's fruit and say, oh, this tastes really good. Friends, you're not rooted, you got to get planted. You've gotta put your feet down. You've gotta start sowing in the soil. You can't just come in and taste good. You gotta have the living water within you. We are not consumers. We're part of a community, a life-giving community, but it's not just consumption. It's also convenience. Sometimes we have fruit without being attached to the root because, well, I brought my bag from the grocery store because often we get really comfortable with uh, what God's done in our life in the past. God, you set me free. Look at all the fruit in my life. God, I had that addiction. You brought freedom to my life. Lord, I was lonely, you placed me in a community. Now I found my lifelong friends. God, I, I had so much anxiety and fear. And Lord, I came into your house, I was set free. Worship now fills my house and my mind. I found peace that I'm looking for. And God heals you and bears fruit as you are in the vine. But once you get all your stuff, you're like, let's take this to go. God, I got my fruit, I got wholeness. Now I'm going to build my thing. Let's take this thing to go. I'm taking my fruit and I'm gonna go build my thing. God, will you bless my thing? God doesn't wanna bless your thing. He wants you to bless Him. He wants you to stay connected. And friends, this is not a to-go message. This is a remain message. God is building not your little jacked up to go bag. God is building a vineyard. God is building a vineyard for generations to grow and to develop and to harvest for generations of the faithfulness of God. We've got to remain planted and He will remain faithful. He will remain faithful. I've got my fruit, but friends, Fruit's not the problem for God. He can develop fruit at any time he wants. The Question is, are you rooted? Are you rooted? Because you're either alive or dead. It is just that simple. And for my friends out there that you just like to take things to the extreme and you're just gonna take my words and swing the pendulum all the way to the other side and you're going, oh, I don't care about the fruit. The fruit is fake. The fruit doesn't matter. I'm not looking at, we care about the fruit too. And God cares about the fruit. So don't throw the fruit out the window and just focus on the roots. No friends, Jesus is very clear in verse eight. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The will of God is that you bear fruit but not just for one season, but in every single season of your life. The only way we continue to remain, we continue to grow is if we stay rooted in Him. Hear me clearly, fruit without God is empty. Fruit without Jesus has an expiration date. Goes on in verse five, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and they are burned. So what happens when you eat all the fruit? and you're not attached to the vine any longer. What is this good for? It's trash. If it's not attached to the vine, you can use it, but this thing is so dried up, there's no nutrients in this. Just like the scripture says, throw it in the fire, it's burned. Last year, I went to Napa with my husband. I went with Dakota and Blair Durant and we took some days there and just made beautiful memories, and I was on this particular mountain called Spring Mountain, and we were in a vineyard, and there were beautiful olive trees, and then as you looked up on the actual mountain, it was just completely charred. It was black. Why? Because a forest fire had come through, and it had destroyed the vineyards. And it was so sad to see the devastation but as I was speaking with the winemaker he was describing to me how the fire had come in the night that they couldn't prepare that they got the they heard the alarm they ran out of their their house and they barely made it out alive and as I looked at the devastation I was blown away with the effects of the fire on the vineyard I was reading about Spring Mountain as I was preparing this message and I was reading an interview with one of the winemakers and I found it very interesting because one of the things that he said is he said, well, first of all, we had to assess the damage. He said, we had to assess what was wrong and then we had to replant. And friends, when I tell you replant, to me, replanting is repenting. Jesus says, remember what you've held and repent. And when we choose to repent, it's not just feeling sorry for us detaching from the vine, trying to build our own thing. No, it's actually a change of direction. I'm going back to the soil of Jesus and I am replanting my life in him. But that's not all the winemaker said. I think this will speak to you today. The winemaker said this. He said, our focus is on developing a really extensive root system rather than producing grapes right away. What's your root system? I think sometimes when we think about being rooted, we think of this just really natural thing where the roots just go deep, and it is beautiful. It's natural through the Spirit of God. But there is a root system. Look all throughout nature. There is a system to every single thing that God does. It's intricate. It's divine design. There is a system. Friends, when it comes to building real roots in your home, in your marriage, in your thought process, all rooted in Jesus, Jesus has a root system for your life. It's called sanctification. It's called discipleship It's the word of God. It's worship. It's Sabbath. It's prayer. It's fasting. It's submission. It's taking time with Jesus. How extensive is your root system? Because the, I think so often the temptation for all of us is that we look around at everybody's fruit and we just want the fruit that they have. But instead, I think the Holy Spirit today is saying, hey, church, I want you to focus on the extensive. Extensive root system that I want to build in the soil of your life. That's why we have things like VU Kids Live today. That we're gathering parents. You can attend if you're a parent. We're gathering parents at our locations to talk about the extensive root system of planting your family in the house of God. Of looking to Scripture throughout the week. Of filling your home with worship. Of when we come up against obstacles as parents, knowing that we are not in it alone, that there's a community that surrounds us and that we are stronger together. It's not something to take lightly or to just read the email and just go on about your normal daily business. No, this is an opportunity for you to dig deep, beautiful roots and to get stronger because the question for us always is, are you rooted or are you rotting? I'm not focused on the winds of yesterday, on the experiences with God of yesterday, of the encounters in his presence from years ago. Am I connected to the vine today? Am I remaining in Jesus today? And what fruit is being born in my life in this moment? actually being born in my life in this moment. It's interesting, right? Like why are we always on the brink of losing that connection? Why, why is Jesus focused on that? He doesn't say like connect and you're good. He says remain in me. Remain, remain, remain rooted because in any real dynamic relationship, we are always on the verge of losing a relationship based upon our intentions, our investment, our conversations, any relationship that's real. And how many of you know this isn't religion? This is not just out of repetition that you're here. You have a real relationship with Jesus. And so what we have has to be continually attached to the vine for us to continue to grow and have new life. I mean, the best parallel for me is I think the first 10 years of my marriage to Rich, there were so many heartbreaks along the road as friends of ours who had gotten married before us or who had gotten married at the same year that we got married, it broke our hearts as we watched their marriages dissolve. And so often it came out of nowhere seemingly So often it was years of them getting the jobs that they wanted and suddenly they had the finances they they had dreamed of, they bought the house, they had the kids, they had the car, they had all the events that they were going to, everything seemed like it was awesome. Why, because they had the fruit. But at some point their hearts were no longer rooted together. At some point, something got detached, and it doesn't matter how good the fruit is that grew from the past of being connected, all of a sudden, their hearts were left with absolutely nothing. And friends, we've gotta fight to stay planted in the things of God. We've gotta pursue his presence. We've got to pursue our daily bread. We've got to pursue the anointing that comes from the breaking and from the crushing. There is a flow. If we will just step into it, I don't have to create the life source. I can't manufacture the life source. I can't duplicate the life source. I just have to stay connected to him. Stay connected to him. doesn't matter what I see on the exterior. What's going on in my heart? Because you thought the fruit was the root. How long can fruit stay on a dead vine? Now, people look for signs. But how many of you know, we don't look for signs. We focus on the source, the source of life. It's a well that will never, ever run dry. You can sustain Anything for a little while off of energy and excitement. People love to start new stuff. Friends, starting is great, finishing is even better. Continuing is where it's at. <laughs> staying committed, staying faithful, staying the path. There's one path, it's straight, it's narrow, but God beckons you daily to follow Him. People get so caught up in new stuff. I don't wanna be a part of the ancient path that's been carved by Jesus for his church. Come on, is anyone with me today? I wanna walk that road. The last few years have been difficult. We've all talked and referenced about 2020 and forward. But you know what? Life before 2020 wasn't a cakewalk either. There's always been pressure. Since day one, since the very first Sunday, one day we'll tell you all about it, there have been obstacles that have come against this church. From the very first Sunday we gathered, there have been attacks from the pit of hell on this church. But I don't curse the attacks. You know what? It makes me feel alive. It reminds me that there really is a spiritual war going on it reminds me that as iron sharpens iron, God uses this community to grade off the rough places of my life. He uses friendship in the house of God to shape me into who I'm called to be. It reminds me that we really are a lighthouse in the city of Miami, that the enemy doesn't want to shine, that the enemy doesn't want to move forward, that the enemy doesn't have the final say, because if we are rooted, the power of God continue to flow if we are rooted no weapon formed against us will prosper if you are rooted you are safe you are secure you are full of the living God come on somebody give God praise we remain in you Jesus we remain in you what happens when you lose your source (laughs) well what was once a movement becomes a monument. Just a beautiful, solid reminder of the life that it once held. We're not a monument. We're not building beautiful things, we're building living things. We're in it for Jesus and Jesus alone. See, a movement's alive, monuments are dead. And Sardis, Sardis was materially alive, but it was spiritually dead. It was at peace, but it was the peace of the dead. It was at rest, but it was the rest of the asleep. It was comfortable. It was just so into the culture around it. It was experiencing the fruit of seeds that had been sown in the past. Friends, may we not love memories of the past more than we love the movement that God is calling us to take forward. May we not love the seasons that we experienced in the past more than we love and desire the voice of God to call us onward towards his kingdom come, his will be done. So what do you do when the Holy Spirit illuminates that you're dead? I love it because Jesus is so practical. He goes on and he says this in verse two, wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Wake up. And strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And then verse three, I want you to pay attention to this verse. It's so practical and straightforward from the heart of Jesus to his church. Remember then, what you have received and heard, keep it and repent. Remember what you have received, that's past tense, and heard, that's past tense. Oh, there's not a new word, Jesus. There's not something else that we need to repent. We don't need to be, our hearts to be illuminated something that we didn't know, no, remember. Remember what you received and what you heard. So you, just remember what you hold. Remember what you already know. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, Sardis, you don't need a new word. You need to not just listen to the word that you've heard. You need to obey it now. You've heard it, but you've forgotten it. So remember, and it reminds me of James chapter 1.22 As a pastor's kid, I have a pet peeve when people come into the house of God and they critique other pastors for not serving whole meals. People come in and complain and say, oh, I just need more depth, I just need more meat. That church, this church, that pastor. Friends, we are fat in the body of Christ. We are gluttons in the body of Christ. We are addicted to information, but we are not seeing transformation and if all of us were really honest if we took just the simplest gospel to love jesus and love others and that's all we had for the rest of our lives it would change the world if we didn't just listen but if we actually walked it out on monday on tuesday on wednesday in our work in our marriage come on do you believe it today we're called to love We're called to love. It takes a lifetime to learn how to love the way Jesus loves. Don't don't give me your reasons. There's food on the table. Eat it. Apply it. Remember what you hold and what you've heard. You have the truth. Protect it. Put your phone away. Open your Bible up, spend time with Jesus. Love people, be generous, release what he's entrusted to you. Be humble, teach your kids how to serve, not to be consumers, not to just show up and receive. Teach them what it means to sacrifice. Remember what you've heard. Remember what you held once. Now the history of Sardis is interesting because they had all this influence, they were so rich, they were so wealthy, but twice the entire city of Sardis was overtaken and they were oppressed by outside kingdoms. Why? Not because they were weaker than those that overtook them, but simply because they had high walls and it was elevated. They had no one on the walls watching. Happened to them not once, you'd think that they would have learned, but, They they didn't learn once. It took them two times to learn that we don't just celebrate what we have and what we hold, but we have to guard it. It's not just what you know, it's what you protect. How are you protecting the vine today? How are you protecting your roots? Because they were overtaken, not because they were weak, not because they didn't have the manpower or the resources, but simply because they were not watching. We gotta be alert, we gotta protect this thing. We gotta protect the unity of this house. We gotta protect the generosity of this house. We've gotta protect the vision of this house. The word of God says that we should be one heart, one vision, one mind, all for the glory of God. And Jesus is saying, you have a blind spot. Sardis, you've got a weak spot. It's time to be honest, to recognize it. I don't want you to tolerate it. I don't want you to make excuses. Don't feed me your reputation. I already know your reputation. You're incomplete, you're dead. You're not connected. Culture has conformed you. You've been taken over and the attack is not violent, it's silent. You're just drifting. It's called (laughs) self-deception. Have you ever had somebody say to you like, you look really tired. Isn't that just the worst? I hate that. As a mom who hasn't slept much in the last five years, you know, I try to look alive. I try to put like some lip gloss on and some blush. I try to do the thing, right? I'm trying to look alive. So often we're trying to look alive. Are you trying to look alive or are you alive? We don't need you to uh, cover up. We don't need you to put on a mask. We don't need you to say, look at me, look at what I'm doing, friend. You you don't know what you're missing. You're deceiving yourself. Jesus is saying, no, wake up to what I'm doing. Remain in me. See, you can love the things of God, but not love the heart of God. You can love his house and not love his heart. You can love his word, but you cannot love evangelism. You can love scriptures and know everything about the Bible, but you cannot love the mess of real ministry, actually loving his bride and being committed to build the thing that he loves. Sardis thinks we're doing it right. We're teaching, we're bustling, we're moving, but where is the savior in all this? Where is Jesus, our source of strength, our source of deliverance? Jesus goes on in verse three. He's pretty much saying, hey, do it now. That's what he says. He says, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Right now, I'm working on obedience with my kids. I think I've got a long journey ahead. And I'll say to Wyatt, I'll say, Wyatt, can you please come here? And he'll be in the other room. And I'll say, okay, mom, I'm coming. I'll wait a couple seconds. Wyatt, can you please come here? Mom, I'm coming no wyatt you're not coming because if you were coming your feet would be moving okay but mom i'm coming wyatt i want you to stop talking and i want your feet to start moving right now just move your feet towards me come here son i need to talk to you. And I think there comes a moment in all of our lives, Jesus is going like this. He's going, hey, this is not a three-year plan of like moving the ship slowly, like taking your time. No, this is like, let's do it now. Let's do it now. Get your stuff in order. Cause uh, I'm not giving you a warning. I'm just gonna show up. And if things aren't straight, it's not gonna be good. So let's just prepare our hearts now. You don't have to clean up the mess. You've got to remain in me. You don't have to do the healing. You've got to remain in me. You can't do the forgiving or the saving. That's never been your job. You just have to remain in me. Come on, is anybody grateful? Jesus is looking for our loyalty and our obedience. I wanna read the end because it's beautiful, the promise that he gives. He says, yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See white represents purity, white represents festivity and white represents victory. And Jesus says, when you remain in me, all of that's yours. All of that is yours. And then he says, I won't remove your name from the book of life. In those times in ancient times, there was a book that was kept for every nation. And the nations would literally have handwritten lists of all of its citizens. And if the citizen did something against the kingdom, their name was blotted out. But Jesus says, no, there are some faithful ones and their name will never be removed. In other words, to say, I got you forever. Not just in this life, but I've got eternity secured for you. You're mine and I love you. But I love this last verse and I want you to pay attention to it because hopefully you've noticed it over the last five weeks because we've said it every single week. And Jesus says this, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know how encouraging this verse is to me? I've been thinking on this verse deeply. It's so encouraging to me that John is on an island in the middle of nowhere in a rock quarry writing this revelatory experience that God is giving him a literal vision and letters to write to the church. But friends, he's in exile. Like he's not in the hustle and the bustle. He's not surrounded by millions of people. He doesn't have like an email list with all of these people or have an Instagram. He doesn't even have a pulpit or a microphone. He's all alone. But when God says, let he who has ears, let them hear, it's a reminder to me that God has no trouble creating platforms. He has no trouble promoting messages. All that he's looking for is someone who will listen. That's the thing that he needs. And if we'll just open up our ears and listen, we'll hear the voice of God. We'll hear the change. We'll hear His truth and His love. And He will take the message from there. He's just looking for faithful men and women who say, I've got ears. I'll hear. How many of you would say, I've got ears, God? I'll hear. I'm listening for you. I'm here for you. pumpkins are all around us right now, just for about three more days, but this season of fall, it always reminds me of bonfires. Anybody else? Does this season just, I don't know, I'm from Louisiana, my family, we always did bonfires this time of year. And I'm kind of obsessed would be the right word. I love bonfires. I get lost looking into a bonfire. I love making memories with friends around the fire. And the interesting thing about a bonfire, we used to pull our trucks up and around with blankets and have apple cider and eat food and grill and we'd sit around that fire all night with friends and family the interesting thing about a fire is in order for it to continue to burn you have to what keep bringing more fuel you have to keep bringing more wood if i just leave the wood on that i left when i first started the fire it's not gonna last all night but i have to keep getting more wood and putting it on the fire. I think Sardis at some point said, oh, we're good. We built something really great. We're just gonna quit putting wood on the fire. We're gonna quit adding to the flame. We're good, this fire is bright. But what they didn't realize is that they were stopping the life flow and the power by not continuing to go to the source and laying their lives down, why? because every season takes new sacrifice. Every season takes a commitment to stay committed to the things of God, to remain in Him. And I just think that God is calling us as a church to say in every season, God, I'm bringing every part of me. I'm bringing every single part. Friends, we are not interested in buildings. We are interested in what God is building. We are not interested in things. Interested in people meeting Jesus. And when it comes to the fire of our life, I can just see us today. Here's the fire. And maybe God's done a lot in the past. But friends, when was the last time you picked up new surrender? I bring it to you, God. When was the last time you brought a new song of praise? When was the last time you brought new sacrifice? Oh, I'm giving more. I'm not. I'm not coasting on what I built in the past. Oh, I'm bringing more, so the future generations can be changed. When was the last time you brought new parts of your heart, new parts? Of
0: for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we wanna partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online We love you.